1: Welcome to Live from Southern California. I am your host for today. Anyway, guest host. I'm Donna Rush and uh, I typically host SoCal's Morning Rush here in Los Angeles, 99.5 KKLA. So hopefully you won't hear me say good morning now and then (laughs) because if you do, it is indeed uh, the afternoon. I'm so glad you are joining us. I'm glad to be with you. I want to give you our phone number here if you want to join in with our conversation that we are going to have today. Here's the number. It's 888 talks 888 528 would love to hear from you, some of you, this, uh, this afternoon. All right, so we are going to talk about whoever gets, uh, if Governor Gavin Newsom keeps his seat. We know it's two weeks from tomorrow is election day, right, is the uh, election for um, the Governor Gavin Newsom recall, the recall election two weeks from tomorrow. So who, if he remains in office, great. If someone else is chosen into office, great. There is still going to be one thing that is going to have to be addressed in the state of California and that is homelessness and so we're going to be spending a great deal of this time talking about homelessness and what is now working and I brought someone uh, here in as my guest that you're about to meet who certainly has a lot of just great information for us on what is working what is working and different challenges that uh, are being faced too, perhaps from this resurge of COVID and things such as that. So a uh, co-founder of the Los Angeles Dream Center and senior pastor of Angeles Temple, Matthew Barnett is my guest today. Thanks so much for being here. I it's great to be it. with you. Yeah, I am so glad that you are here because I was just... Uh, Reading an article, and um, you know, of course, I was just mentioning that the recall is two weeks from tomorrow, and whether Governor Governor, Governor Newsom remains in office or if he's recalled, and one of these uh, forty six uh, running to replace him, just homelessness has got to be this this problem that we've got to tackle, and uh, continue tackling, I guess. Um, and it's estimated right now that there are forty thousand homeless just in L.A. And according to a recent article, a number of people, the number of people who became homeless for the first time, more than doubled last year in the San Diego area, which we have a lot of listeners there as well. And it's a possible result of the pandemic, and and that's a concerning trend, of course, that could worsen when eviction moratoriums and rental assistance programs um, end. But before the pandemic, a brand-new federal report just came out that shows California's, in the state, the California's homeless population increased by nearly 7% early last year to an estimated 161,500. Um, that was months before the pandemic and, and subsequent economic crisis spread across the state. So we have to guess that, boy, there's it's probably even, you know, growing even further. So what do we do? And um, I don't know, you know what, Pastor Barnett, if it is just a political question uh, or it's a question that we, the people and the church and the community, um, what can we, we do and not what can they, the politicians and the government do really? Because yeah. we are them. They are, you know, it's yeah. got to be a, a a joint thing here. And so that's what I really wanted to talk about, um, you know, with you today. Overall, what are you seeing there at the Dream Center?
2: Yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I, yeah. you know, I've been in Los Angeles for 27 years and uh, I'm actually, yeah, I started when I was 20 So I've been kind of on a venture through many different administrations, many different governors, mayors, and all of them have been trying to do the same thing. And that is to throw money at a situation that really is a spiritual condition. It's a condition of the heart. It's the chickens coming home to roost in the sense of the breakdown of the family. It's drug addiction. It's weather. It's a lot of things that draw people here. But the truth is, um, you know, as long as we just keep say we're going to give $50 billion towards a problem or something like that. It sounds good to people. I think it makes them feel reassured like, Oh wow, something's happening because we're throwing money at something. Right. But you know, we house 700 people at the dream center for free. It costs $81,000 a year to incarcerate someone it costs $6,000 a year to rehabilitate someone at the dream center. Um, so we, we have been a part of this for a long time and people just don't understand that there is a relationship investment that goes on with reaching the homeless. There is um, showing up in people's lives. Many times, until finally they hit that rock-bottom place where they want to change. Many people don't want to. Many people like the isolation. They like to be alone. Maybe they, they, they're in a situation where they just don't want to take the next step in their life. So um, we just, you know, the church has a tremendous ability to keep showing up in people's lives. And uh, we always say that whoever shows up the most will win the battle of influence. And, and that's what's happened. You know, we, we could just keep throwing money and do safe houses and say, look, let's house someone here, but they can use as much drugs as they want. It's just not going to happen. You know, people come to the Dream Center. It's a one-year program. There's so many churches out there that are, they have one-year program, three-month programs. But, you know, the government's just turned and looked the other way. It hasn't given the faith community a chance to really tackle or the mandate to use this massive volunteer base that we have to be eligible for just basic funding to be able to do things like house. You know, we got churches that own little properties in their neighborhood that if they just had a little bit of spark, a little seed money, they can go out and do something great. So um, I think one of the problems is just that, you know, throwing money at a situation or just isolating people into safe housing without any kind of structure, any kind of accountability, any kind of challenge to really be provoked and go forward is what really makes it difficult. So when people come into the Dream Center that are homeless every single day, they check in. You know, we ask them questions like, what is your dream? Uh, Mm. And that that takes them out of survival mindset. It gets them into believing for better things. You think of homeless people
1: as not having dreams. Some people think, oh, they just do. They have dreams anymore. But you, that's probably, when you ask them that, I can only imagine that they probably, for a moment, their jaw drops a little bit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You think I, I, well, let me think a minute, you know, because maybe they've even forgotten how to dream.
2: Exactly. You know, the the Bible says where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Which means that when there's no dream, there's nothing great to live for. Like, mm. why try to achieve anything if there's no revelation of what you can be? And so, um, I think we're just we just speak a little bit different language as far as is what people can become. They come into a places like the Dream Center. The peer pressure is is to do good because mm. everybody in the program is trying to achieve and go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So they can't kind of run into the environment, control the environment, that the right thing. Or the cool thing, I guess you could say, is to want to make your life better and want to go forward. So um, Los Angeles is not just facing a homeless crisis. We're dealing with a crisis of spirit. Mm. Uh, I think we all feel like a really heavy, dark cloud mm-hmm. about all the things that, you know, you, and you tell someone long enough that you can't do this, you can't do that. What happens? You start living defensive mode. And that's one thing at the Dreamstone we've been trying to do with this whole pandemic is not to live on the defense, to live on the offense, because, you know, you're either going forward or you're either, you either succeeding or there's no middle ground. I mean, if, you, if you're in the middle, then you're really dying, uh, in the sense of um, I mean, your progress and your future. So we just decided to be that one voice out there in our community that was just like, you know what, you can still dream, you can still do great things with your life, and and just try to outserve the pain that's within the community.
1: Is there even a way? And, and excuse my my ignorance on this. I don't even know if you do accept like uh, uh, funding from from the government. Does that mean you have to abide by different rules?
2: Yes, to some extent it does, and that's why we've turned down a lot of it because you know it would restrict uh, things like church and and different aspects of that. So we've turned it down in the past, but I think there's that's kind of the exciting thing about this is that it's a it's a a script that could be written all over again by the mm-hmm. city to say look you know, let's give faith a chance. Let's give the message of hope, or the message of Christ a chance, you know? And of course, all religions will be able to have to have the same accessibility to it. But I believe that the message of the cross and the message that we carry is very, very powerful. So, I mean, rather than say, wow, look at these hundreds of thousands of people that can be mobilized to do something great and really challenge the churches. I think many times it's kind of like, you know, let's, let's just kind of throw more money at a situation rather than uh, turn these really committed people that want, the church has changed. You know, it used to be a, a Sunday morning place where people come to gather, but more and more I'm starting to see it as a place that we gather for Sunday so that we could scatter Monday through Saturday That's awesome. into the community. So, yes. uh, there's definitely something there. There's also, you know, with, with the homeless issue, um, there's tremendous there's tremendous ability of, of the church to to kind of give incentives for graduation, you know, and mm. it's funny as the governor's talking about paying people to stay sober. In a sense, that's, that's something that we were thinking about years ago is and, and we would actually save more money, but I would take it further and simply say, rather than just paying people 30 days for getting sober, if you, right. if you graduate a one year program, um, and you contribute, you give back and you serve, then you could be eligible for funding, but you have to complete a one year program that's mm. fully accountable to make that happen. So, um, yeah, I mean... That's a I, big difference. It's a big difference between, like, if you could just stay clean. No, if you can finish a program that has purpose and destiny in the future, yeah. then you could do something great.
1: Because that's somebody trying their best on their own. Yes. For, for a few days just to get... It's like a small little treat at the end of a, I don't know, a maze. Yes. Or something. It's just pure willpower versus something that's it's taking in the whole person and transforming their lives and giving them hope in, in other ways. And it's not just all on, on their shoulders and... ah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's great. Thank you for for sharing that. If you would like to join in this conversation, love to hear from you. Um, I'm Donna Rush, and my guest is the co-founder of the Los Angeles Dream Center and senior pastor of Angeles Temple, uh, Pastor Matthew Barnett. Here is our phone number: 52 talks. That's 888-52-TALKS, talks. All five five seven. All right, so. I want to hear more about your residential programs. There's this discipleship recovery program, this one year long program that you're talking about. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting program. It's one year. And the reason why it is one year, we don't do 30 day programs because we want to give people the luxury of time mm. when dealing with homeless people and people that are down, bound by addiction. Uh, they live in survival mindset many times. And that's why they do the things that they do is they're trying to make it one more day, or they're just trying to hustle to survive. But when they come to the Dream Center, they have a year where they have room and board taken care of. They have wow. all the food taken care of in the cafeteria. There's no expense. Their GED programs are taken care of. They can actually get their GED there as well wow. and job training. So when you have a year, you know, when Ben Carson came by the Dream Center. He saw it. Mm-hmm. And we explained to him that everything was a year. And, the, and we want to give people, as we keep, keep saying, the luxury of time to change He was so blown away. He said, then he went into some medical terminology about how the brain, you know, (laughs) starts to heal in a year and all this. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why we do it. No, but, uh, but we, we were (laughs) We're talking, good to know. Yeah. It's like, how'd you know I was so smart? No, but, uh, but we just knew people needed time and they needed time to get out of desperate, a desperation place, you know, Mm. where you're just making bad decisions and, Uh, Many people even selling their bodies on the streets because they're desperate to survive. Mm. Once you take that survival uh, element out of it and you're like, okay, you're in a safe place. Now let's start working on piece by piece getting your life back. And so many people have lost everything. We have people come in that don't even have IDs. They don't even know who they are. They have no identification. We have to rebuild from the very, very beginning again and just help them get their life back together. But we, we begin to celebrate um, all the little steps that people make along the way and the, the little victories. We make a big deal about um, a lot of the little victories along the way, and that's one of the great things about a year programs. You, you have a lot of celebration points like by which that. to say we, you know, we've come a long way. We're going a long way. And then we have a second-year program that people have or a third-year option as well because it can take wow. that long to really take somebody from the streets and, and fully see them functional in society again where the second year they start working and getting jobs and employment, but they have a place to live. And and um, we're just really walking through the valley for people. And uh, whether it be the Dream Center Recovery Program and the homeless program or the families that – we have homeless families now. We added another floor. We have about 40 families that live with us. Yeah, I wanted to hear
1: about that. You have added another floor. Now, has this been a recent phenomenon that you're having more families coming? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: you know, it's – when when all the, the layoffs happened in the covid lockdowns, yeah. uh, many single moms were hit the hardest. They were hit mm-hmm. first. They were mm-hmm. the ones that they companies felt they could cut, you know. And so there's a lot of people that were struggling. And, and we, when we were doing the food line. We had that little drive through for three little drive through five million people. But three hundred. <laughs> wait, wait,
1: wait. Five million people. We had a
2: drive through five million people during covid that were driving through to get food in three hundred eighty days. Whoa. And so that's where, that's where people say, well, how do you know so much about what people are going through during COVID? When you're out there for 11 hours a day for 380 days in a row and you're feeding people, you get a pretty good idea of what's going on in the city. And the common trend we saw were single moms living in their cars, Mm. which is the cars are now the new shanty towns of America. They're asking us for um, just gas cards because that was considered their apartment or rent to survive. And, Mm. It just broke our heart, and we just said, you know what? We're going to add – we actually added two floors for homeless families. We have 250 families trying to get in to get housing uh, for our one-year program for homeless families. So it's – you know, a lot of people say, where do you get your vision? All I have to do is look in the Valley of Need. The Valley is where I find the vision. You know, I go to the mountaintop and go to a conference and be on the mountaintop, be excited about the work of God, but the vision that I get for reaching the city – is found in the valley of need every single day.
1: Yeah that that picture of that valley of need, just where Christ will walk through with people, yeah. and you're you're just just there, you know, helping and being a part of that. So, thank you so much for that. My my goodness. Okay, so you're talking about. Um, I wanted to talk about more about these families. Is so this is a new phenomenon that's coming now out of COVID. And when you talk about these families with the single moms and the kids, now are these people coming to you that also have? Um, is everyone? there because of addiction problems or it is it's so no no
2: in the recovery but the family is very most of them are just you know they're just homeless homeless lost everything lost jobs
1: okay so that's two separate things you have both of those those services and needs
2: yeah and the families too you know they're Los Angeles such an expensive city you're just one paycheck away from being on the streets and uh you know we saw a lot of that we saw families that were attending we had an outdoor school when the school shut down because the government was saying um things like um you know, every kid's getting a laptop, you know, and they're, they're going to be able to go to school at home. But we found out that a lot of that stuff wasn't really true. A lot of these kids didn't have computers. They were going to fast food and they were like trying to get reception from a Taco Bell, you know, yeah. through a drive through. And, and they nobody were,
1: thought, oh, there's no Internet. There's no Wi-Fi. But I in think their when home. people say yes. that it's
2: being done, people automatically assume. But a lot right. of times it isn't. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, surface level type of things. And so um, these families started showing up and, and we, we were looking and we were saying, well, where are you at in school? They've been out for months. I mean, three, mm-hmm. four months. And so we just set up a school outdoors. And uh, we had about 100 oh. kids from the neighborhood that were coming by and going to school. And um, and then we had one family that came in. Um, actually, a couple families total. But one family specific that asked us if they could sleep in, in our garden. Because <sighs> they were homeless and they were attending our school. So they were basically, we didn't know this, parked uh-huh. outside um, the Dream Center. Mm-hmm. And um, they were living in the car waiting for school to open every day. We said better than that. We got a place for you to stay, and Uh within about three hours, we took them into a room and helped them get their lives back together again. So much poverty, so much need, uh, so many families that are just we're living on the uh, on uh, on that boundary of just making it for one more week or being on the streets. And and now we're seeing this. We're going to see it again. You know that you can't the eviction moratorium, California. I know will be later than than the national requirement, but it's going to get bad. It's going to get to a place that I don't even really want to think about how severe this homeless crisis is going to be in the next couple of months when all those, um, aids and, and moratorium, you know, cause people are just not paying rents you know, thousands of dollars right. that are being built up and, and, um, and they just, cause they can't. And so now we're just, we're going to deal with the aftermath. I feel like the church at the, in the dream center, we always seem to deal with the aftermath of these problems. COVID was hard year one, mm-hmm. but I think year two is going to be in some ways even more challenging.
1: And how what, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue to talk with um, Pastor Barnett about how the church can come in and some of the things that we can do. Because I know, you know, a lot of churches and uh, even Christian schools, let's say, maybe plan um, mission trips or things such as that that they can do, but they plan it away. Let's go on a trip or something like that. They can actually, there's, there's plenty to do right here where we live
2: absolutely yeah. you know Plan
1: those mission trips with you like to do absolutely
2: yes? if you go to dreamcenter.org you can actually sign up and just uh, bring a missions team from your church down and we'll keep them at the dream center for a whole week so um, we'll literally, they can stay on campus with us. We'll take them to Skid Row. We'll take them to outreaches every day. Uh, we have 43 food trucks that go out, to sites every single week and give food away to families. We have um, all these great outreaches that are going out into the projects and helping people. So um, we'd love to see churches come out and serve with us and uh, maybe an individual. You go to the website, just volunteer, stay on campus with us for a week and, uh, and just go out and serve and have a big time. And uh, before COVID, we were having 7,000 people a year that were living on campus Who are going to the streets to serve and uh, of course it dropped for a year but now those numbers are really coming back and we're seeing a surge of of god's people that are really wanting to be frontline workers and really wanting to serve the community it's very special to see people's hearts um, that are really captured by the fact of you know i just don't want to say stay back and um and play defense i want to go out there and love people in the middle of the hardest time
1: now you said something and i want to just clarify something you said you have about seven thousand people on campus that go out you mean living there that are going out and serving yeah so these are people that
2: are oh, youth group teams, men's ministry women's ministry individuals from churches groups uh, bible study groups whatever it's just kind of open for anybody who wants to come and serve and so they eat there they go out and we have a whole crew that takes them to the streets and experience all that's going on and it's a lot of fun
1: wow i that that's something i was not aware of and i bet a lot of churches are not aware of that either so i'm glad that you were able to uh, share that today so how do they get in touch?
2: Just like, <laughs> yeah, go to dreamcenter.org, dreamcenter.org and just type in short-term missions there right there. And then you could just come and spend a week, a month, um, and, and just serve with us. It's going to be a great time. And, and I think the best thing is, you know, when you put yourself in someone else's world and you put in, you, and you change your, your eyesight, your scenery from what you see every single day, and you put yourself in a position that you might be uncomfortable with, but I think it forces you to understand that God always kind of shows you things in the middle of those situations that don't feel common,
1: yeah all right, we are uh, talking today about homelessness and the big uh, crisis that we've already we're already facing, but as we're hearing from uh, pastor Barnett uh, of the Dream Center that Unfortunately, maybe there could be even the worst to come as this uh, COVID surge is continuing. And so we're going to continue talking about that in our next segment. And I would love for you to join in the conversation. Uh, things that you are seeing perhaps in your community, um, maybe things that you're doing in your community. What is going on there? Give me a call. 888-52-TALKS. 888-52-TALKS. talks five two
3: I'm Donna Rush, and we will be right back. The recall election is
1: two weeks from tomorrow. No matter what happens in that uh, in that voting, what we are going to find is that our homelessness uh, remains here in the state of California and needs to be addressed. And we are talking about that this hour here on. Um, Live from Southern California. I am your host, Donna Rush. I'm so glad you are here today. And if you'd like to join in the conversation, I'd love for you to give us a call. The number is 8852 Talks. That's Triple Eight Five Two Talks or 885282557. And I'm talking about this very important topic with uh Pastor Matthew Barnett. He is the co-founder of the Los Angeles Dream Center and senior pastor of Angeles Temple. And uh It's so interesting, uh, Pastor Barnett, in that really the Dream Center and the church, it's it's almost like a para-church. It's like 24-7 church and caring. And how did that all come about?
2: You know, I was 20 years of age when uh, my dad was trying to find somebody to take over a little church building um, right near downtown. Mm -hmm. And uh, he couldn't find anybody because the neighborhood was so rough, Mm -hmm. so much violence and problems during that community. and. He was trying to just save an inner city church from going under and he was in Phoenix, Arizona, and he was trying to find somebody and he was driving around the van and trying to get pastors all in one van to say, hey, would you like to be interested in taking over this church? Um, All of them said no. And I was 20. Mm. He said, son, just help me for three months until we find a real pastor. And I said, okay, I'll come. <laughs> Three months. I memorized his sermons. I raided his file cabinet. I went in there, tried to find every single thing I could just to survive one more week to preach a sermon. Yeah. I didn't realize Aww. I'd be there for 27 years. But wow. there's one thing that I realized, and that is, um, you know, I had this whole f- dream figured out how it was going to go. You know, that the, the church is going to grow this much and it's going to do this much. And, and everything had to die in, in order for God to start recreating the kind of church that he wanted Mm -hmm. we always tell people that god doesn't destroy people in rock rock bottom he recreates them in rock bottom i
1: love that and
2: god began to recreate through a mega church pastor's son who was raised in a ten thousand seat auditorium to right in the middle of the heart of the inner city of la with nobody showing up to his church and Mm. a seven hour prayer walk changed my life i walked through skid row i walked through the broken areas of los angeles and God spoke to me. He said, "I want you to die to your dream of success. I want you to live to the dream of being a blessing. Just, just whatever wow. I give you, use it to help other people." And so I put my desk on the sidewalk. I just start talking to all the moms in the neighborhood as they were walking by, and I'd buy five uh, bags of food. I'd give it away to whoever is in need, and I begin to understand that that we should never despise the little that we have to give away. It's a lot. It's a seed of something. And then, yeah, you know, a couple of years down the road, we started filling up that building and running buses to Skid Row. And 80% of my church was homeless at one point. So I'd have to referee fights in the middle of my <laughs> sermon. I had to change my sermon. I'd be preaching on faith and people would be using drugs. And then I had to preach wow. on don't use drugs in the middle of my sermon. But it was wild. Wow. It was crazy. But it began to shape my life. And then God began to show me. Um, that one day we would outgrow that neighborhood and we did. And one day I'm driving down the Hollywood freeway and I see the biggest hospital, four hundred thousand square feet building right on the one oh one and
1: right there we, in the Echo Park. Right area. there and yeah. right on
2: Rampart in the one oh one by the old Tommy Burgers. And I saw that big old hospital and we talked to the Catholic sisters who owned the church and they were gonna sell it for sixteen million dollars. They could have to Paramount Studios, but instead uh-huh. they sold to us for three point nine million dollars. And we, wow. only, and we only had $50,000 a year in income when we said, yes, give us 18 months. We will come up with the money. So we were getting emails from people saying, Yeah, you guys are crazy. Uh, and, and we didn't even disagree with them. We're like, you're absolutely right. Like I was agreeing with all the hate mail. You know what I mean? Well, because it was such an outlandish idea. But uh, the Lord began to show up, and and I began to realize that God loves the people that we are reaching more than we do. And he is obligated. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay that which was given. And because he loves them more than we do, he's going to provide a way, and he did. Yeah,
1: yeah. obviously he did. And when you talk about outlandish, I think that, uh, yeah, God loves outlandishly. We, We just forget that. And so when we stepped out in that kind of outlandish faith really is what you did. Yeah. And he he answered, yeah, I mean, more than answer. So tell me what's <laughs> happening. I mean, this is uh, what you're. That's how the the church and all of that, the prayer church, came to be. Uh, to be. It's really twenty four seven now.
2: It really is. It's, there's people living in our building every day, coming in all hours of the day. Um, every day I walk into the office, there's people from the streets. So we have police. We have the police that are partnering with us, who drive people that they don't want to put in jail. They'll drive them to the Dream Center, and I'll mm. see people in chains and shackles, like literally walking to our intake program to be signed in by the police department. That's one way we can solve homelessness as well, have alternatives and options. And, uh, and so they're saying, look, I don't want to put you in jail for loitering or doing what you're doing, but you need to excel in this program and they'll drop them right off in the building. It's incredible. And I, I never realized it would turn into a, a place that has, you know, 700 residents, families, human trafficking victims are also, be, you know, being rescued. Mm. And, and, of course, one of my favorites, the homeless veterans that we're taking care of. Yeah. And especially right now, you see how many, um, how many veterans are just left behind and the tragedy of what took place um, with the 13 that we've lost. And yes. makes me think about them quite often, how important it is to have a safe place for the veterans as well to to dream again and yeah. maybe the dream is different than battlefield but maybe the dream is is being sparked I don't know by the dream center to get them excited about a new mission that's in their local community, serving people and and really utilizing their strength and their courage and their conviction to get them out there with us and, and join the fight of reclaiming our local community for the glory of God.
1: Well, wouldn't that, that would be, that's just a, an awesome thing. I'm so glad that you do take care of the, uh, you know, the veterans and have that veterans program because they are the brave and they were courage, courageous and, and fought so well, for, served our country so well and in saying that I I you know just certainly want to you know mention our um condolences and uh yeah. how much we just pray for and our just hearts go out so much to the families and the friends of those uh 13 US service people who were killed last week by the suicide bombers and we had four right here mm. from California Sergeant Nicole G just 23 years old uh, Captain Hunter Lopez, 22, from Indio, a rifleman there. Lance Corporal Dylan Marola, 20 years old from Rancho Cucamonga. Um, just, w- w- our hearts go out to you, Lance Corporal Kareem Nikawai, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is 20 years old from Norco, and so, we, our hearts really go out to the uh, to to you and uh, to your families, uh, to the friends of these uh, brave men and this woman, Nicole, and just. Um, we just uh, pray for your healing and your comfort during this very, very difficult time. And if you uh, want to join in the conversation at all, if you are listening right now, I'm Donna Rush, and here's the phone number that you can call: triple eight five two talks. Triple eight five two talks. That's five two eight two five five seven, and we will we will get you right on. Okay. And speaking of our veterans, so like, what do you? what do you, what do you do? Do they come to you? What kind of situation is that? And what, how do you, do you help? Or do they end up helping you more? I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about that, how that all works.
2: Yeah. You know, I think the Dream Center community is perfect for so many of these veterans because, you know, they, there's a, it's a sense of, of fellowship. It's a sense of togetherness. And even, mm-hmm. even though everyone's not necessarily, you know, ha- has experience in fighting the military, all that, but there's a sense of community that they long to live under, you know, yeah. and, And that mindset of there's always a mission that's going out. There's a, uh, outreach going out to, uh, to reach, you know, people that are broken all over the city. Um, the train stations that the government has allowed us as the first church to go out in the middle of the night and help people on the last train coming in. And, and I think their feeling is that their mission is not over. Their mission has continued on and, uh, trying to establish that excitement and that thrill of, of having something great to live for. And, um, And that's why I love so much about our veterans is that many of them, they just want something to live for. They want a mission. They want something that they can get behind and get excited about. And so they got their own trucks that they go out to Skid Row and they serve others. We found many of them from Skid Row. It's unbelievable Mm -hmm. to think that so many are living on Skid Row um, Mm -hmm. that that we've been taking in on a daily basis Uh, during COVID. Many of the uh, places for veterans have shut down as well, but just to be, have a community where they're celebrated and loved and yet at the same time, they have all their basic needs met It is a very extraordinary thing to uh, re-engage them. And just, you know, everyone needs to feel loved. Everyone needs to yeah. feel needed. Mm-hmm. You know, we need you. We, you know, you've done a great work, but you know what? Well, there's more work for you to do. We got some great things that, that are you, you, your, your greatest hours might be the hours that are ahead of you um, as you go out and, and rebuild our own communities here. So uh, I think a lot of times, you know, they just feel like neglected. They feel like uh, They've done their time. They've served their mission. and uh, But we just want to give them tremendous value by giving them a tremendous assignment to reach out.
1: All right. So I wanted to ask you um, about the um, mobile food banks. You actually, you were telling me, we were talking uh, during the break, that truly one in five people who live here, like in the SoCal area, may not know where their next meal is coming from. Yeah, yeah. That's an incredible statistic.
2: Yeah, me. it is. You know, and during COVID, we've, We've, we've been able to reach a dream. Um, COVID opened up the door to us to allow us to be able to now get to the place of capacity because of uh, food sources that were given to us uh, to be able to open up our kitchen 10 hours a day where anybody can get a meal like 930 lunch, uh, 1030, whatever. And so we were able to keep our cafeteria open all day long seven days a week and to be able to help people. And so uh, they're coming and getting their meals and um, it's just an open kitchen all day long. The um, one thing I love about the dreams are someone's hungry at eight o'clock at night in the kitchen you know, it's done, you know, we'll, we'll we'll fire up one more meal and we'll just find a way to, to make a difference. But like a hotel. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you see it, you know, you see it all the time. Families, yeah. you know, we Aww. will put our little clothing yeah. store three o'clock in the morning. Families are already starting to line up just to get Aww. through the clothing store. So yeah. it is, people really do live on the margins. People really do many times live one or two days of the dream center, providing them six meals could be that bridge to get them through to the next paycheck. And, um, a lot of time that's hyperbole. People say, you know, paycheck to pay we're standing in the gap, but the dream center, you really see it. You're like, these people will not eat for four days. If we don't have a place like this for them, you know, until they get their next paycheck or until they survive or whatever they go through. So it's, um, it's a great challenge. It's very, very important. We feed like 30,000 people a week in all of our feeding programs. And, and I'm uh, just staying on guard all the time. It just
1: amazes me. I just want to say, how does this happen? How was this such an incredible success? And we'll talk more about that in our next segment. I'm Donna Rush, and this is live from Southern California. And I'm talking with Pastor Matthew Barnett, of the, the co-founder of the Los Angeles Dream Center and senior pastor of Angeles Temple. Here's the number that you can call, triple eight five two talks If you want to uh, ask a question of Pastor Barnett, 888 888- 5-2-TALKS or 888 You can join in the conversation. Uh, we will be right back on
3: Live from Southern California. Welcome back to Live from Southern California. I'm
1: your host, Donna Rush, and my guest is co-founder of the Los Angeles Dream Center and senior pastor of Angeles Temple, Matthew Barnett. We are talking about the problem of homelessness that is just continuing to grow in California, especially in light of the COVID just dragging on. And so we do have here's the number that you can call if you'd like to join in the conversation. We do have a caller on the line right now. We're about to get to you. But here's the number to call Triple Eight Five Two Talks. That's triple 888- eight. Five two talks or five two eight two five five seven. And we'll take that call right now. Hi, what's your name? Denise. Is that who you are? Denise? Hello. Hi, Denise from Montrose. You're talking to Donna and Pastor Barnett. You have a question? Hi. Hi.
3: Yes, I do. And actually I'm interested in the um pastor or Mr. Barnett's opinion um, because I have just heard that California is going to be giving away free lunches to everybody in the state of California, whether you're in preschool or all the way up to 18 years of age. No payments required. I want to know when we cross the line into socialism.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good question. I think, um, as I said earlier, that all this money being thrown at every single situation as if it's the only answer is very troubling because what happens is we've paralyzed the private sector from believing that they are an option to help solve the problem. And so when the government begins to mandate all the time, you know, this, 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 whether it be whatever it may be, but when they just continue to throw just all these programs, um, I think one of the main goals that they really have, to be honest with you, be frank – is to get to the place to where the private sector believes and people of faith that maybe there's nothing that we can do to solve the situation, and so it's already been handled. So um, I do think there is a a, a very strong sense of um, enablement that's going on. Um, Even our recovery program, we had a hard time – for a few months they're actually getting people into the program because they're getting so much free money staying at home. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of them just wanted to use or, um, uh, or do whatever they needed to do. But then of course, like always that money runs out, you hit rock bottom and then we're there to really help them repair the right way. And that is a foundation through Christ and getting their life back together again. But your call is, is, is fantastic because it's true. I think um, we get to the place to where other thing. Yeah. May
3: I add one other thing? My grandpa lost, my grandpa lost his farm a nice farm in the depression and Mm. he wouldn't take government money because he said that he would stand on his own two feet and this is how my family rebuilt what they had by starting over and even to this day when i take my six-year-old nephew out to breakfast or lunch he usually has about 15 cents in his pocket Mm. and i'll say well what do you have and he'll put a penny or he'll put a nickel on the table and he walks out proud that he paid his way
1: that's great Mm. that's great yeah. I mean, I think that's wonderful.
2: Uh, you know, and that's, and that's one of the things I think we try to do at the dream. Center. we don't receive any government funding just for that reason alone. Um, and, and and while they're in the program, we actually they need to be self sufficient, rely on on Christ and what's being taken care of there at the Dream Center, because you want to you want that mentality to change. You really want to get them into the mindset to believe that they can start rebuilding with the only safety that they have is being Jesus. And uh, and when you have Christ left, that that you have everything left. And so that's one of the things we try to tell people is they come in, they're like, I lost this, I lost this, I lost that, but we're like, no, when you got Christ, you have everything back. Everything's possible for you to rebuild. And uh, these government programs don't have that. They don't have the message behind it. They don't have the story of um, comeback and resurrection power and all the things that we do to really inspire them to want to change. We had a man living 18 years under the bridge. And um, he'd come every day to get food, and you know he'd take his free food and everything. But the good thing was we have relationship. And uh, he kept getting food for years. He didn't want to change. didn't want Bible study or nothing. But one day, as we were serving him, he uh, he said, Pastor, I want to go into your rehab program, which is a one year hardcore program and I, and I said, Go for it. He ended up graduating, going to Bible school, and now he's on pastoral staff and doing oh great goodness. things after eighteen years of living under the bridge. Wow. So we do I think all I,
3: I, I all I know is is that I, I nurtured a uh, jobs until I retired. I hope to keep my business open. Gavin yeah. Newsom crushed that. Yeah. All I know is that my property taxes are due here in a few months. Nobody's offering me from Sacramento not to send in my money. Mm. And I think it's a double standard. We're training up citizens to have their hands out, and they are to expect for free. And we also lower their dignity. And I think something has to be said for starting to pay your way. And I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm a little upset today. (laughs) We can hear
1: it in your voice, but Denise, you know what? I appreciate your call. And I think what you're expressing is a sentiment of a lot of people. So I appreciate you calling and truly do. All right. You have a wonderful day. Yeah, and I think a lot of people yeah. are going
2: through frustration right now because they, they are. feel like they're paying their yeah. bills, they're doing the right things, and and the money that's being spent going towards you know, and re- people are really struggling obviously, but there's people that are just doing the best they can to do the right thing every step of the way, and they've been you know left behind during this pro this this uh, era that we've been in, but um, that that's just why I love you know what we get to do every single day because we get to kind of change that mindset and belief from um, you know what can I get out of this program to how, well, how can I serve? You know, the 5 million people that were serving during, during this pandemic were served by people that were homeless, uh, that, and, and rehab. So and the homeless people that were coming in were the
1: serving the others. So it's they not, did and they got their yeah.
2: food handlers license, job training, employment, everything. So it is, um, some of that frustration is, is right because there's an overall prevailing spirit right now that really just needs to be broken. That, you know, we're in survival mode. We're never going to get out of this. And, and, uh, you know, if Larry wins, uh, uh, he can come in and really maybe champion the cause of, uh, Hey, we could do this. We can, I think part of leadership is also being a cheerleader too, and mm-hmm. uh, believing that things are possible. And, um, and, uh, speaking of a greater vision of what we can become.
1: Well, you, you were mentioning Larry, Larry Elder, of course, one of the, uh, assumed the lead um, a candidate, uh, should Governor Gavin Newsom be recalled on the 14th. Um, let's just talk about the recall election. It is two weeks from tomorrow. Um, whether Governor Gavin Newsom remains uh, in office or someone new takes uh, his place, is there anything that can be done differently right now to truly make a difference? From the government. I mean, you're doing a great job because for the most part, you don't rely on any government funds because it It blocks you and it causes you to have to um, not have rules like no drugs, no alcohol. (laughs) You got to be in at a certain time. All that good stuff, you know, that's needed. That structure is needed when people are truly wanting to change, turn their life around when they've gotten stuck. And so is there anything that could be done to really make a difference by anyone?
2: I, I think so. Um, uh, again, it's going to come back down to a mindset and a belief that um, that we have to think outside the box. Just this old mindset of just throwing money at a situation. We, we have to kind of reinvigorate the city to have a great cause and purpose again to reach out. Um, there's just a lot of fear. Whoever, uh, one thing they can do is try to break down that wall of fear. People need to start living again. They need to start, you know, going out and. Um, and, and fulfilling their purpose and things. So I, I just think there's a messaging thing that needs to happen in the sense of, look, be, you know, be as safe as you can do whatever you got to do, but go live life, dream, have vision. I have so many kids, um, that we've, that we've lost the lives of kids in our own church mm. who got so discouraged. I talked to a teenager the other day. It was so tragic. Um, and they said, you know, pastor, I'm not really afraid of dying. I used to be, I said, yeah. why, why are you not afraid of dying? They said, because it doesn't really matter because I don't want to live in a world like this anyways. So Mm. why does it matter if I even live? So I don't, so there's kids who are kind of living like they have a death wish almost in the sense of that. They're not really concerned about how long this life is going to be. Maybe that gives them a sense of, of reckless abandonment for the future of God's cause. Maybe they become great warriors of change. Maybe that lack of fear will raise up a generation, but there is a general prevailing fear that's upon people's lives that just has to be broken. So whether whoever wins in the next two weeks, has got to get that message and story back of, of what is possible and re engage different um, sectors of society, like the church, that maybe they've uh, cast aside and not considered as being a part of this dr- dynamic change from the spiritual to the social side of making a difference.
1: Because I think it's nothing can really change until we really realize it's not just a physical change it's also a spiritual change meeting those spiritual needs it's a heart change yeah that has to occur in a person it's not just one's personal will you know self self will all the time you know it's just that they can do it they don't have to do it on their own When yeah yeah and so that that's just so 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 great thank you so much for sharing all that you've uh brought with us today just any final words before we kind of wrap things up a little bit here
2: yeah we just want to tell the city of los angeles and uh, orange county whoever i'm speaking to that we love (laughs) you all so much and you've been such a blessing during during this time at the dream center you kept our food line going you know we were two weeks away from from really almost having to shut our doors but la Mm -hmm. rallied and they went to the website and if you don't mind is going to dreamcenter.org and uh, dropping off uh, any kind of donation will really help the dream center go forward We're in tough times we've added two floors we've feeding thousands of people, and we're, we're living on a 30-day window of, of margin every single month, but that's the only way to live your life is when God gives you something to give it away and to serve, and we've been living that way for 27 years. Somehow God's kept us going because of people like you, so thank you for going to org and uh, making a donation today to support the work of God. We really appreciate it.
1: And as far as volunteering, I recall perhaps, um, I maybe be miss
2: recalling, mis- but <laughs> you,
1: said, you said on the Saturday morning show up and you- you'll have a place for people to go
2: and help. Did you, did yes. I have every, <laughs> yes. Well, every Saturday at 10 o'clock at the dream center, they yeah. can show up and we just go that, That's for the day volunteers. People just want to go out for the day on Saturday, uh, 2301 Bellevue Avenue, 10 o'clock in the morning. It's all there. And you just show up on the campus and we'll get you involved in outreach. Or if you want to show up any day of the week, you literally can show up on campus and an hour. It's like grand central station. A train will be leaving the station, going out to serve people, um, on a, daily. So we need you to come out and serve and help us please and um and just bring some of some great staff and, and uh and strength to our numbers to be able to help people.
1: That's awesome of it. Thank you so much, Pastor Barnett. I appreciate you so much for being here. Pastor Matthew Barnett of the Dream Center LA. And again, just go to dreamcenter.org to find out about all the different ways that you can help, whether it's financially, whether it's getting your church involved and helping out uh, this ministry, getting your university students involved in these uh, local ministry uh, opportunities that we have right here in Southern California, just go to dreamcenter.org. I'm Donna Rush, and thank you so much for being here. I will be racking just a few moments, and we appreciate you for joining in to the L.A. Live.